as a global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. It is Liz Elam, and I have Shai Fogel, the head of U.S. for Mindspace with me this morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Liz. I'm good. How are you? You know, I am good. It's a beautiful day in Austin, Texas. But I want to know like, how you are personally, not how your business is. I want to know how you are, especially because I might have seen something on email about a <laughs> wedding. Yes. So first of all, thank, thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure that we finally get to meet and talk for more than like 15 minutes. Right. I'm doing good. I've actually had a very good night's sleep. There's been a lot of changes in my life lately. So after moving from Tel Aviv to San Francisco in 2018, after four years, my partner and I moved uh, to Philadelphia. This is where I am now to basically oversee our expansion, be closer to our HQ time-wise. HQ is in Tel Aviv, of course. And yes, and we are getting married on the 25th in San Francisco. We're going back to San Francisco to get married there. We have like a cute little uh, ceremony with a uh, very close friends in uh, Dolores Park, uh, which Ooh. is, our, which is uh, yeah, it's our favorite spot. There's also like a very mm-hmm. amazing view of uh, downtown. So yeah, but uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. You don't seem very stressed out. No, it's, you know, it's just, I think maybe because, you know, when you find uh, the person, then it's just not stressful, but also mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm 37. I'm not getting... Uh, Uh, worked up you know just a a little ceremony (laughs) yeah well I thought it was interesting that you mentioned you know when I asked you about you you mentioned your sleep because I love that that's really become an area of focus for mankind lately we finally figured out like oh wow we all need to sleep more Mm -hmm. I am I frequently talk about my aura ring and how I track my sleep and I thought I was this like amazing sleeper but then when I actually got the data I was like oh that's how long I'm in bed (laughs) not how long I'm actually (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I try to uh, actually sleep for like eight hours a night. It's hard. It's not, especially for me, it's like I'm always working and my mind is always on. I'm I'm a Taurus, so this is how it goes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, lately I found the path to a heavy sleep. So basically an hour, an hour and a half before bed, I'm not on social media. I'm not on anything. I'm just either reading a book or Mm -hmm. just listening to like a very soft music to just get my mind into mm-hmm. uh, sleeping so i think it, it helps everyone because our day is so hectic no matter which you know industry you you work for i think mm-hmm. everyone's day is so hectic and with everything that's happening in the world um i think it's important to get a very good night's sleep and a very strong coffee in the morning <laughs> <laughs> bravo i'm on my yeah um, okay so let's switch over a little bit to work so mm-hmm. mind space i've known mind space for years i've been to your spaces in Europe, but when I'm wandering around the U.S. talking to people, people don't know you. So tell us a little bit about the Mindspace journey, please. Of course. So Mindspace is a company we were established in Israel back in 2014 by uh, two co-founders, which are also childhood friends, Dan Zakai and Yotama Roy. Fun fact, I used to be a member of Mindspace in Mindspace's first location in Tel Aviv. Mm. Becoming, uh, yeah, I had a startup uh, back then for online advertising. And, you know, I really love the concept. And I think that back, in, back then in 20, uh, that was 20, yeah, that was 2014. Back then, I already realized how 
amazing this company is. So Mindspace started in Israel uh, mm-hmm. with uh, two locations and then basically expanded to Germany. We opened two, our first two locations in Germany, a little bit over, like, I would say, like beginning of 2016, Berlin and Hamburg, and then just expanding throughout Europe to the UK, Romania, Poland. We bought a co-working uh, company in the Netherlands and opened seven locations, took a few of their locations and opened two more. And then uh, in 2018, we decided that we're uh, crossing the ocean and going to the biggest market uh, in the world, uh, to the US. And we opened our first two locations, uh, DC opened in August 2018, and San Francisco opened in September 2018. And last year, in the midst of the pandemic and everything, we opened our third location, which is where I am now in uh, Philadelphia. And we're expanding. Like I can't give you any scoop, but probably in the, in the next uh, two weeks, we'll be able to announce a few more locations in the US. Amazing. So on the acquisition track, it sounds like you guys have done some acquiring and I know you have some aggressive goals. Can you talk about a little bit about your goals and how you plan to get there? And then while you're at it, follow on. Lots of our listeners are co-working operators and might be interested in an acquisition. So like, what are you kind of looking for target wise? Yeah. So I think that in terms of our goals and expansion, you know, the US is a huge market and we're trying to understand because everything changed. If you, if we were to have this conversation pre-pandemic, probably mm-hmm. our goals would be completely different. I think one of the things that I do like about Mindspace is that we are carefully looking for each location. And also, if we're talking about M&As, we're very carefully looking at who we want to be like the new, we call it the new baby. So the new baby in the family. Which location, <laughs> which area going to perform well, you know, business-wise, because at the end of the day, we are, are, are a for-profit company. But also to understand where do people want to go now because if it used to be center cities pre-pandemic now it's going to be you know the outskirts of the city more of the burbs and stuff like that we're still very much looking into some of the big cities but a lot of the areas that used to be tier two tier three are now becoming tier one so i think this is one of the things that uh, we're looking for so if we're talking about mnas and companies that we that you know we're approaching and approaching us i think it's companies that has really good operations and locations in areas that might not be the main on main kind of uh, places, but mm-hmm. places that people do want to go now, uh, given the, let's say, post pandemic world. Yeah. And what is like, what's the minimum square footage you want to look at? Is there a number of locations they should have? I think the minimum square footage is in terms of location, it's uh, our sweet spot is somewhere between 30 to 50,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. And in terms of locations, depends on the competitor, depends on the cities and how they're spread also in the city. Mm-hmm. You really have to have the connectivity between different areas of the city. This is what we have in everywhere in uh, Europe, for example. We always make sure that we have the right connectivity, whether if it's a train that goes between all the cities that we're in, you know, if it's if it's Amsterdam, for example, there's a, you know, a bike lane between all of our mm-hmm. locations. But it's usually something like that. And to make sure that, you know, we're very much into design. It doesn't mean that that location has to be beautifully curated design like we um, have in our locations. We can always, you know, put the mind space head on it. But it should be located 
locations that are well kept and locations that people do like to come to, given mm-hmm. you know whoever that is that is operating. Yeah, early on when I was looking for my first space, I first started looking at like a lot of office space and quickly realized they didn't they wouldn't have enough parking, they didn't yeah. have the right amenities. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I kind of developed a strategy where I wanted to be less than a mile from a major thoroughfare, so like a highway. Like you've got yeah. to be really close to the highway. You have to have walkability to retail and restaurants. You have to have plenty of parking. Yeah. I personally am a huge fan of some ground floor because even if you're up, it connects you. And then the the final thing was access to nature, like the ability to walk into a park or the ability to walk into a courtyard. And yeah. when I found <laughs> all of those things, I found my location. Yeah. I think that outer outdoor space is something that is very important. I see that, you know, members that, that come to any of our locations because we most of them we have you know a rooftop or something like that it really helps them to see themselves in this space because people do want to go out of the space and make sure that you know they can see the sun other than other stuff yeah for sure for sure and you know all the research around connection to nature and all that like you've you've got to be you know I've started saying recently you know that if you don't have a plan for wellness that you are not future proofing your business and wellness includes nature to me exactly yeah so how many spaces are you guys looking to have in the U.S. Well, I think that uh, that's a $1 million, uh, $1 billion question, actually. Um, <laughs> I think it's, we're, we're expanding. I think our, the plan is to somewhat sign and open about eight to 10 locations next year and then just double that every year. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I think that, again, we're, we're going to be very carefully choosing our location, choosing our partner, choosing the landlord and choosing the areas that we're mm-hmm. going to look at and open. But yes, the plan is aggressive. We we just raised, uh, last November, we raised uh, $72 million. Yeah, uh, congratulations. And thank you. And I think that most of that money will go towards the U.S. to help us with mm-hmm. the expansion in the U.S. because... Again, if you make it here, you can make it anywhere. So, <laughs> well, you guys have had tremendous success in Europe and in Israel. So, I, I think you know, I'm, that's part of the reason I wanted to have you on. Is I'm like, people don't realize like you guys are a serious player, and I love it. And you know, when I went to your space in Warsaw, I loved mm-hmm. the hospitality. I say I'm a big observer. I actually was the I, one who's la- who launched this uh, location. Oh, I love it, <laughs> and. It's y'all, it's over a food court that's super cool. I loved that food court. And, um, you know, I went in unannounced, which I like to do. And, um, you know, I just watched people at the coffee bar. And yes. it was such a lovely hub of activity. It was an immediate hospitality moment that so many people miss out on. So I'm curious, you know, Industrious is killing it. WeWorks had a pretty good numbers come out recently, you know, but what sets you apart? Like, what is different about Mindspace? Like, why should I go to Mindspace over Industrious? I think you touched uh, on it a little bit. I, our hospitality is something that we do put in front of every employee, every touch point we have with anyone that is coming into our spaces, whether you're a member or just someone that just booked a hybrid office for the day, meeting room, mm-hmm. coming for an event, or just to meet another member. I think the hospitality that, that we strive to give, the level of hospitality that we, we're giving to people that are visiting our spaces is beyond. Um, we always say, like, if you think the Ritz-Carlton has really good hospitality, then go two steps 
ahead of them. Like we have to make sure that everyone wants to come to Manifest just because they know that they feel at home. They know that they are respected. They know that whatever they need, we can provide, of course, you know, in, in, uh, to certain extent, but we're giving them everything. I think that the specifics of the Warsaw locations, this was our first location that has their own barista and coffee shop within the space, which is free for the members, unless you want like mm-hmm. very elaborated uh, coffee. And I think that we saw that on the first week, once we opened, we opened that in uh, 2018, in December, uh, December 2017. And I think that one of the things that happened right away is that people, you know, congregated in the coffee shop as you come in the morning, and then you start talking to the other people uh, that are in line with you. And you understand that, oh, this is actually how community build. This is how you create that vibe of hospitality. You create that vibe of people that want to come to a space. And it's okay if not all of us are working in the same uh, industry, in the same company, we can make connections in other ways. That's one thing that sets us apart, which again, the hospitality and customer service that you get at Mindspace. The other thing is, and and a lot of companies have really good design, but our design is on another level. We have our own architects and design team within Mindspace that are doing everything. It's not computerized or anything. They're actually curating art and everything within the space that has a lot of influence of the surrounding of the specific space. I can tell you that specifically here in Philly. So we're in the Wanamaker building, which is uh, a very famous building in, in Philadelphia, one of the first department store in the US. And there's a lot of like historic elements within the building. And we spend a lot of time and money to restore some of that. So mm. you can see the grand stairs that we they used to have here and all the the little things that you have on the walls also our co-founders dan and your time are very focused on design they know that you know it may cost a little bit more money to get to the level you know with the fabrics that we're looking for and all the materials but they know that at the end of the day when someone comes into our space it, it's always like uh there's always like an awe moment where you're like oh my god this space is amazing we yeah. have it a lot here because it's also like very grand it's a 16 mm-hmm. feet tall uh ceiling uh, it, it's amazing uh you should you should come visit us but absolutely it's so grand and so beautiful and i just saw yesterday i saw pictures from my new locations in uh, berlin on zimmerstrasse and it's it's like a five-star hotel when you go in mm. and there's like these beautiful wooden walls. Um, I think these these are more the stuff that are differentiated from other companies. We're also, again, we're slowly pacing our expansions because we do want to learn and understand the changes that are happening now uh, post-pandemic and, you know, pre-recession, let's call it like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really different because U.S. cities are coming back at different rates. You know, we spoke yeah. about that the other day, like San Francisco's lagging. D.C. seems to be lagging, but you guys are killing it in yeah. D.C. Chicago seems to be lagging and, and lagging usually refers to people aren't coming back to the downtown area. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We see that a lot in, again, if, if I'm looking at Europe and Israel, it's a completely different game there. Like all of our locations in Germany are at a 95% occupancy. It's completely different. Same mm-hmm. with Israel. Every location we open opens with a 90 to, to 95% uh, uh, occupancy. And in the US, I think that it's a little bit harder for, you know, for I think more for the employers to understand the days of coming to the office five times uh, a week are probably gone. Gone. Uh, and it's very hard, uh, e- even for me as a person, I come to the office every day because I need that. I love the environment and I love everything about it. But 
I think that we should, or more employers should understand that things have changed Mm -hmm. and people do understand that they can work from home two times, three times a week and also work from the office the other days. And I think that the office is not dead. And, and, you know, there's a lot of conversation about the office is dead. Downtowns uh, are dead. They're now converting a lot of office buildings into uh, residential. But I think that there's a lot of social aspects of coming to the office that a lot of people missing when they're like, I don't want to come to the office ever again. And I think that the fact that, you know, this this meeting could have been an email Mm -hmm. um, is one thing. But there's also one of my best friends that I have now are people that I worked with. And we're kind of losing that when we don't go to the office uh, full time. We can get that if we come to the office for two or three times a week. This is why I think hybrid work is the next big thing if it's not already here. Uh, Mm -hmm. We see that most companies, most of the leads that we do get in our locations are for companies that are, you know, they're not looking anymore for, uh, if they have 20 people, they're not looking for a 20 desk office. They're looking for uh, somewhere between 10 to 12 because they're going to stagger their people and they know that they're not going to have the 20 people every day in the office. So I think this is something that this is why co-working spaces will also be getting even bigger in the following year. Yeah, absolutely. I call it the comeback. I'm always like the comeback is real. The comeback's (laughs) happening because people needed hope during the pandemic. And I was like, y'all trust me, this is going to happen. And the, and the thing it's, it's so interesting to me is that like, it's, it was, it feels like a light switch. I know it was, you know, a couple of years, but people are just like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. And, and I'll just go find another job or I'll just go do something else. Like I'm not going to work the way that you used to require me to work. And I think it's like borderline entertaining because I remember when I entered the the business world and I went to work for Dell and they're like, here's your, you know, lame gray cubicle that you'll be sitting in for the next two years. And I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was I was never like, oh, this is soul sucking, horrible. But no, I was just so happy to have a job. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like that now. But I do think you touched on something interesting that I'm seeing a lot is that, you know, there's a younger generation that has been disconnected. And now we're taking away that office connection. And then, you know, we can solve that through co-working. And I'm always like, you know, guys, you don't need to go develop your own co-working. Maybe you redesign part of your office, maybe you get rid of part of your office. But if you want to plug your people in today, to a community, go to a yeah. co-working space. Because yeah. to me, the difference between flex and co-working is that co-working has community and has a soul and we work to know the people in our space. And that's the difference. And that's also the hospitality, right? It's like, yeah. it's great if you're greeted, but if you're never greeted again, it didn't really work. So exactly. I'm curious on the hospitality thing, you know, what? so everybody's having a problem finding talent, right? And then, yeah. you know, I know the co-working industry loves to hire a concierge, loves to take from the hotel industry. I'm super curious, like, do you guys have your own training program? Are you connected with a hospitality school? Or how does that all work? And how do you find people? We'd all like to know because we all need to find more awesome people. So do you have any tricks or tips? We'd love to hear them. Yes. So one of the things that we do have at uh, Mindspace, uh, we have uh, our director of uh, customer experience. So for example, we, we don't call our community managers community managers. We call them community the experience managers because mm. at the end of the day you give people an experience and if the experience is good they want to come here more and, and mm-hmm. stay with us so our uh, community experience director Danielle she is an amazing person that has learned a lot from Soha 
house. So mm. house hospitality is beyond. And I think that what we're learning here is to understand, you know, you don't have to, because the community is basically the, the the byproduct of co-working spaces. Okay, you're not, some people don't come here for community, they come in to work and that is fine. We have those customers, but a lot of them are looking for those connections. And I think that what we're trying to do is to cultivate the community aspect that it, it doesn't seem like it's pushed on someone like, oh my God, come to the, you know, the we call mm-hmm. it Mindspace Hours and not a happy hour. Come to the Mindspace Hour and like meet other people. It happens naturally. In terms of like finding people, um, I don't know, we're, Israel is at heart. So I think that it's very, uh, <laughs> we're very charming. Maybe, uh, you know, some of our accents uh, get, get more people want to work with us. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's, I think that the company Mindspace, we're still acting as a startup, even though we have almost 40 locations around the world, more than 200 employees. I think that what brings people here is the sense of family that we have. You know, I can text the CEO and co-founder at any time and, you know, we'll, we'll catch up. We're both really love Apple products. So every time there's a new announcement, him and I are like uh, chatting about <laughs> it. But it's, it's something that you may get in other companies, but not as much as you can get at Mindspace. This is why we, I'm with Mindspace for six years and you don't see it anymore. People that are staying with one company for that long. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I know the office group to to put people through a school in France. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I've been trying to get them to GC for a while, the school to talk about mm-hmm. their program. Okay, so another question I had was, you know, there's all this talk about how the co-working industry is just going to be like the hotel industry. There's just going to be that this brand, that that brand, that this brand. And I tend to see that happening at like kind of like a high level. But yeah. I think down below, you know, if you think about it, the top players are only about 15% of them market. The other 85% of the market is all of the small businesses that are really making it happen every day globally for this industry. So I think it would be a pity if it went that way. I think there will, I think those bigger brands will diversify more just like we work by common desk. And, you know, I think we'll see some of that, but I don't think that's where the whole thing's going. And I was just curious of your thoughts. I can see it go both ways because I think that, you know, what's happening with the hotel industry you can see that they're operating like in different brands in different areas and then you can go like it's very tiered i think that it it is coming for the co-working industry you'll have let's say five six ten brands that are basically you know the the mother brands Mm -hmm. and then you can see other brands that are more tiered i think that the best way to do it and to understand if let's say you you own a a co-working company and if you should get acquired by a big brand or acquire another brand, I think it's to understand the uh, influence they have on the community where they are. I think that they should know, I I won't buy just any player just because I need to, I have some money and I need to buy a player. I need to understand what can they bring into the table that I don't have now. And it's more than just the location. It's more than just the way that they operate their location. It's a lot of other factors that can harm or do good to that brand. Uh, for example, when we acquired uh, Klein Cantor in the Netherlands, some of the locations are still operating as Klein Cantor, but it's Klein Cantor by Mindspace. Um, it's a little bit different and it does give you a, like a wholesome feeling when you go into their spaces, but it, it's mm-hmm. not a Mindspace, but it still has the hospitality of Mindspace. So I think that we will see a lot of merging between players. I'm hoping that uh, you know Mindspace will stay the big 
player and will purchase other companies, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So I have one more question that I'm going to wrap us up. And that is um, in regards to community and hospitality, you know, they're both amazing things that we we're striving for and people are really focusing more on, but how do you measure that? So funny thing, we just started to measure the attendance of our community members with all of the community events that we do. Mm. What we're trying to do, we can't really measure it because we can, you know, go and just uh, uh, mark everyone that is here. But you're trying to measure the attendance and the level of members that actually participate in some of the events. For example, we learned that in the U.S., breakfasts bring a lot of people in. A lot of people don't like to stay late now. So the, you know, the happy hours that used to have the beers and pizza and stuff like that. They're, they're gone. People are more looking for the breakfast and lunches. A lot of the community events that we used to have that were more of like a lunch and learn kind of things are coming back. People are looking for, you know, the one thing that we do ask our community is what do you want? We know how to create great events. We know how, you know, we have partners that could bring great food and, and beverage and, and whatnot. But what do you want? What will help you strive as a person? So, you know, the yoga, the Pilates, mm -hmm. all the, the running groups and stuff like that. But that what will also help you professionally? Do you need help to understand for one case for your employees? Do you need help to understand, um, um, you know, we have a, a roundtable for CTOs in our location. So if you are a CTO and you want to talk to other CTOs of other companies, here's a roundtable that we can, you know, we provide the lunch and you guys talk, mm -hmm. the geek talk that you talk and, and, and that is fine. So I think that the way to do it correctly is first to ask the community what they want and then see how can they actually participate but also get them to be on board on that so for mm -hmm. example if someone in the community is a financial advisor come bring time from your uh, time at the space and talk to other members and help them understand. Maybe, who knows, maybe you'll get a business out of it, but maybe you won't and that's fine. Um, so I yeah, I, yeah, I think it's so, so smart to like step one, ask with them what they want, you know, absolutely. And it's interesting on the breakfast thing. We found that too in my space years ago that, you know, we, we noticed people weren't really into the happy hours and we asked them about it and they're like, I have kids. I, I yeah, gotta I go. go and so we, we are one that was super popular for us. It's so easy. I always share it with operators is we did Ted talks in the morning. So you throw a Ted talk on in the conference room, oh. put a bunch of breakfast tacos on the table, entertainment, always inspiring, always well curated, watch a Ted talk or two, or ask people what their favorite Ted talk is and then ask them to talk after it yeah. it was like the easiest bestest event and and you know breakfast tacos and bagels are nothing it's like a hundred dollars and you you throw like yeah. an amazing one yeah yeah and then it gets people in gets them started yeah love that okay yeah. so i think we all know that you're looking forward to your wedding so you can't use that <laughs> i would like to know for the second half of the year that we're deep in now, what are you looking forward to this fall and winter? First of all, I'm looking forward for the winter because I moved to Philadelphia and it's a lot hotter than San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing. You have no uh, idea. I live yeah. in Austin, Texas. It's been 100 <laughs> forever. Well, yes. So that um, I'm also looking forward to, again, if, if we're going personal, so uh, I'm bringing my partner to Israel for the first time to meet my Ooh. family also after we got Amazing. married already. So that's uh, that's 
that's going to be interesting. Uh, but if professionally, I'm looking forward to the growth that we're, again, because I know what's going to happen and when are we going to announce new locations, I'm looking forward to the growth and see the new location thrive and adding more uh, team members to our um, little family that we have here. We're, you know, we're mm-hmm. still hiring and we're going to hire a lot more once we open new locations. So yeah, it's going to be an exciting six months. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And you guys start following Mindspace because they are coming. And and I've already, as you can all, no one will be surprised that Shai has no choice but to go to Juicy USA in the exactly. spring. <laughs> and that I'm working on them at Juicy UK. So stay yes. tuned. And yeah, so we're super excited to watch you guys grow and thrive and can't wait to see what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast. Podcast.